Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the Hulkcast. Today we are looking ahead to Villa's Manchester trip to the Etihad as we look to battle back from our recent 4-2 defeat at home to Leicester City and look to continue our impressive run of three away wins on the bounce. Now, with today's recent statement regarding Man City's recent financial activity, it has almost been a case of ripping up my notes for this one. However, for those of you listening who are regular listeners of the Hulkcast, you'll be aware that I don't conquer these episodes alone. So without further ado, I am gel- delighted to welcome writer for SportsMall, FlashScore.com, GiveMeSport.com, and head of City Report podcast, Amos Murphy. How are you, mate? That's a great intro. I'm all good. Uh, a quiet, quiet couple of days, as you can imagine. Wow. Yeah. I mean, do you want to touch on it straight away? Should we? Should we dive straight into the deep end? Go. For it. I think it's the best way to do it, isn't it? Absolutely. Let's go for it. So I've I've got in my notes here Premier League breach exclamation mark. Now <laughs> <laughs> we've probably got most Villa fans on here who don't know too much about what's going on. So I'm gonna give you the stage and if you want to just delve deeper into into what's happening and what's been announced and what we can expect moving forward. Yeah, so um, Monday morning, uh, a mere hours after City's dismal, dismal performance against Tottenham Hotspur uh, away at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which they still haven't scored in, um, for anyone wondering. Uh, the Premier League announced that they had found Manchester City, or sorry, they, they, they had um, charged Manchester City with over 100 breaches of financial regulations and and they sort of split up into various different categories. Um, Sky Sports did a, a good job at, at, at detailing them. Um, Fifty breaches of sort of the Premier League's rules. Then you've got others others that relate to manager contracts, player contracts, essentially saying that allegedly I think is you know we've got to be careful as well with what we say but allegedly City had been paying players and managers. Roberto Mancini is one that that is detailed. Um, through the back door, essentially, uh, sort of paying parts of their salaries via different companies or different bank accounts or whatever. I, I'm not too clued up on what it what it might have um, entailed, but basically sort of cooking the books a little bit. And, and there's also stuff to do with uh, profitability and sustainability, which is basically how much revenue you bring in via sponsorships, via shirt sales, via all that sort of juicy business. Um and essentially, it's been the the coming together of a four year investigation that has sort of clouded the football club a little bit in that period. And and obviously, I'm sure some listeners who haven't followed it um, intensely would have would have known there was a a similar investigation regarding City when. Uh, this time to do with UEFA when City could have been banned from the Champions League that got taken to the Court of Arbitration for Sport and eventually City were, were ruled not guilty on a time-barring issue. Apparently those issues aren't going to be at play here and, and, and it may be a case that City don't even get to take it to court uh, or, or the Court of Arbitration for Sport. So, um, interesting times ahead, I think is what uh, what is the best way to describe it. 
I mean, yeah, you summed that up really well. And before we get into, you know, the potential ramifications and where this could leave City moving forward, I just want to ask you as a fan, how how do you feel about all of this? And how do you feel that your your club is involved in all of this almost bad press, if you like? Yeah, yeah. So um, a few sort of buzzwords have emerged in, in the in the aftermath. And and one one that I've used quite a few times now already is conflicted because if City are found to have broken these rules, throw the book at them. Because I think, you know, most supporters, any other football club in this position, you know, you're looking at what's happening with Chelsea at the moment, and I'm sure something's down the line for them. Um, you would be saying the exact same because you, you don't want financial cheaters in football. You don't want, that's not how you want football to be run. However, the flip side of it, and I'm sure Aston Villa as a football club have, have experienced this as well, um, sort of in the championship days, FFP, is for like completely gloves off in my opinion ffp is a sham because it it was introduced by essentially at the start from uefa to to keep the the big clubs in check to keep them in line you know the likes of manchester united ac milan these sort of real madrid these these absolute behemoths of european football at a time when quote unquote new money was coming into the game look at the likes of chelsea look at the likes of city psg uh, more recently newcastle as well to stop them from being able to break into that that sort of establishment. And obviously with, with City, Chelsea, PSG, it's, it's happened. But at the same time, FFP is there to stop it, sort of completely flipping it on its head. So revenue like Manchester United, they they generate, will be able to sort of keep them at the top table. What United do with that money is a, is a different problem altogether, as we've seen. But I, I, I'm majorly conflicted because on one hand... I mean, it's crazy. I can't think of another industry where there are sort of such strict rules around investment. Now, you know, could you imagine in any other business where you've got an outline saying that you can't invest X amount of money, which is fine if it's implemented properly. But for me at the moment, I don't think it is. And, and, And the outcome for this, whether or not City get relegated to the National League North, whether or not they get a slap on the wrist and a measly fine... I would love to see a different football industry going forward. I would love this to be the catalyst where where people go, you know, independent regulators been mooted a lot. The the Premier League have uh, allegedly lobbied against that. They sort of said that, you know, we can keep our own house in check, blah, blah, blah. I'd love at the end of this, whatever the outcome, for football to look entirely different and actually have some sort of functionality when it comes to this sort of stuff. I mean, I've just got to quickly go on record and say I really respect your your balanced viewpoint. I think it would be quite easy for a lot of fans, if it was happening to their club, to you know back their club blindly mm. and almost refuse any any wrongdoing. So you know, it, it it must be really difficult to know that this could all be happening. I mean, where does this leave Man City going forward? Because and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, looking from a neutral point. This doesn't seem as though it's going to be solved quickly or anytime soon. So there's a lot of questions up in air. It's going to affect your players, your backroom staff. Could it affect performances on the pitch? Where where does this leave Manchester City? It, it's going to affect a whole host of things. And, and I think the, the biggest problem um, is, like you say, it's going to take years. It, it, this isn't going to be sorted by the end of the season. Whatever the outcome, we're not going to know about it for, for potentially a very long time because the independent committee that has been, um, oh, it's not even been mustered up yet, the independent committee that will sort this out and eventually come to a verdict doesn't have anyone on it that they're in the process of finding the people to do that. So that could take, that could take months on its own. So, you know, for for instance, the I think the first the first sort of um, 
key checkpoint in this is going to be the summer because say for example we're still in that position and, and there's this cloud hanging over the club that potentially they could get relegated to the championship Jude Bellingham who's been linked with a move to City isn't going to come and isn't going to be flocking to East Manchester to come and play for the football club should they uh, should they be going away to places like Rotherham and, and Hull City and places like that I don't think that's how he imagined his career to go so you know it has a direct impact and even if City got off lightly with a fine a points deduction a transfer ban or whatever it's going to have a massive impact in the short term long term you know nobody anyone claiming that they, they know what the outcome is going to be is, is just talking nonsense because nobody knows what it will be um, that's to come so long term you don't know maybe it is a relegation maybe it's a fine whatever it will be um, the short term I think is is the issue going forward do you think relegation is a possibility well the, the statute laws say that it is you know the rules say that that's one of potential a number of, of different um, outcomes I think the the word at the moment is that any form of retrospective title stripping is probably unlikely. And, and, you know, from a from a supporter's point of view, obviously I wouldn't want City to have the titles taken off them. But from a, a, a natural sort of grounded point of view, it, it's a difficult one. But I, I'd probably come to the conclusion that stripping titles it, it it's bad for it's bad for the brand of the Premier League. And I think they're gonna have they're gonna it for example, say the Premier League don't get City found guilty, they're going to have a lot of in-house questions and a lot of in-house problems because suddenly they're going to be getting dragged. Um, so there's so there's so many questions that are popping up on it, and it, it's uh, really intriguing. I can imagine it's a neutral sitting back watching it. It's going to be an interesting an interesting watch covering the football club. I'm not quite sure what it's going to be like. I mean, yeah, I I completely agree about the whole stripping titles thing. It, it just seems a mess all around. And, you know, from a city perspective, at least the, the sooner it's sorted out and a conclusion has been made, the better. Now, I'm not going to make you sit here and talk about it the whole time. We are actually here to focus on the fixture this weekend. <laughs> Man City currently sitting in second place on 45 points, five points behind Arsenal having played an extra game. What have you made of City's season so far? Um, meh, I think is the best sort of way to describe it. I I, I took a bit of criticism actually uh, over the weekend and and um, after the Southampton League Cup game, which City got nuts out of of the competition a couple of weeks ago, for saying that Haaland's goals are masquerading a pretty abject campaign for City in the sense that obviously it's it's not it's easy to say without him City would be they'd have lost this game they wouldn't have been had that them points well that that wouldn't been the case other players would have scored goals and and you know there's a debate to be had about does he make City better does he make him worse blah blah, blah. my point being that away from that away from Haaland's goals so many there's so many flaws I mean you'd have seen City let probably over the last 18 24 months one of the best left backs in world football go at the end of the the January transfer window in in Yao Cancelo and that the 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 backlash from that was was toxic in a way you know players having uh training ground bus stops the manager Cancelo squaring up to Guardiola allegedly uh, again just covering the backs there but it, it it's just it it it, it it feels as though there's a massive, massive, massive rebuild that's needed because on the pitch, off the pitch, and I heart back to the FFP stuff as well. There's just, there's just something that isn't quite right, and you've seen City in recent years. I mean, Villa more more than most other clubs would have would have seen the Man City title juggernaut, and you know when when City get clicking in these situations, that they, they take a lot of stopping. And you look at some of the points tallies, you know they've consistently got into the nineties in the last few years. 
that's just not it's just not the same for whatever reason it's just not the same and from a system point of view from a purely footballing point of view it, it is it is pretty abject um you know still second and there'll be people listening to this going you you second you into the champions league knockouts blah blah, blah. i'd say that probably in spite of the performances not because of them I mean, I'm going to stick on João Cancelo. You mentioned Erling Haaland, and we will touch on him as well later on in the episode. However, João Cancelo, such a weird one. Again, I can only speak from a from a neutral point of view, but it just seemed to to come out of nowhere. And for a club to almost let bar Kevin De Bruyne, their most creative player, leave on loan to you know another European mm. giant when you're in the midst of a title fight you know you're five points behind you're trying to claw back every single point you can get to cover some ground to let him go seemed a bizarre one I mean that I am all for managers stamping their ground I backed Mm -hmm. Eric Ten Hag um, when he did it to Ronaldo and if something has happened behind the scenes then I think Pep Guardiola is well within his right however it, it came out of nowhere didn't it Mate, I was. It was. Uh, it was last week, last uh, day before the transfer deadline day. I was actually at a funeral that day, and I'd had my phone on uh, "Do Not Disturb," and I, I went to check it, and it was it like WhatsApp groups, uh, text messages, Twitter DMs. You know, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of messages. I'm thinking, oh my dear God, what's happened here? And um, obviously, when when I realised, I, I was digesting it all because it, it there'd been there'd been murmurings. Um, There'd been a few articles. Samley of the of the Athletic had done one, uh, maybe a couple of days before, where he where he said, "Cities in in the dressing room, there's issues because they've they've had players there who've been there for the best part of five years, some of them, and football eras come to an end. You've got to refresh. You've got to recycle." It was a, a great clip of of Guardiola speaking to Rio Ferdinand, which resurfaced, where he's saying. At Manchester United, Rio, how many how many times you won the title was the the same crop of players, and you know it, it was very rarely the same sort of you had your star players who were there throughout it, but the the entire squad needs refreshing, and that's fair enough. The issue with this has been the timing and the and the sort of the reaction to it because Cancelo goes out on loan. I think anyone of a city persuasion would say should the should the um, the Rumours about what Cancelo was like in the dressing room be true. Great decision. Get him gone. You know, get get that out of the, the dressing room. You don't need it, especially when you're chasing trophies. The issue being that City now have they don't they don't have a recognised left back. Sergio Gomez, who signed in the summers, played one season at, at, at left back for Anderlecht, and he he still plays as a as a right winger for um for the Spain youth team. Nathan Ake has played there in the past. He's he's predominantly a left sided centre half. So at the moment, City don't have a have a have a, a recognised left footed left back and it, it, it is pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy to think of City, you know, you people herald the business City have done in, in other areas of the pitch. Julian Alvarez for sixteen odd million pounds or something like that looks like one of the steals of the century. But their their insistence or Guardiola's insistence on finding the perfect player I think sometimes harm City a little bit, and that's the case with Cancelo. Well, I mean, hearing Julian Alvarez's name come up from a Villa pan- fans' perspective still <laughs> still burns, knowing that we had the chance to sign him and we yeah. we opted against it just a year before. Again, Sergio Gomez, another one who was who was briefly linked with Villa. Now you mentioned finding the perfect player, and a few weeks ago, I would say Erling Haaland, written in the stars. Now. Jamie Carragher came out after the Spurs game, to to my surprise, and I think to everyone's surprise, with the quote, has Haaland chosen the wrong club for his development? And for me, 
it seemed a crazy stat knowing that he's a Premier League top scorer. He scored 25 goals near enough of the halfway point. All the records are there to be broken for him. Does he have any right to be claiming that? Well, this is Jamie Carragher, who, who in the same week said that Everton are the worst run football club in in the country. When someone, <laughs> when, when a team like Southend United are, are on the brink of going out of existence, so um, I think it's always the case with Jamie Carragher maybe taking things at, at face value, not always at face value. But with, with with Highland, it's it's the eternal debate this season because you've got a player who, like you say, is is scoring for absolute fun. However, at the same time. You look at City last season. You look at City this season. There's a there's a markedly quite a, a big drop off in performance. What my my standpoint in it is is does Erling Haaland make Manchester City worse? Quite categorically, no. The the issue is again going back to the performance side of things. It's in spite of it, not because of it. And and you've got a situation where City elsewhere on the football pitch, like at left back, for example, um, a lot of this season, sort of. Post Kyle Walker injury, which happened, I want to say October, maybe September. Um, a lot of the season, City have been playing with this sort of makeshift quasi back three in possession, and a centre half playing at, at one of the fullbacks, be that left back or right back, and the fullbacks inverting into. This, it, it's just been it's just been an absolute mess, and and I think with with Harland, Guardiola's tried to adopt this sort of ultra control approach where City don't give up the ball. They they simply keep hold of possession and, and it was perfect example against Tottenham at the weekend. Keep hold of possession, prevent the opposition from getting the ball, create much fewer chances than they did last season but with Haaland you expect them to take more you expect them to score goals and that's what he's doing the problem is at the moment City just are not playing to his strengths at all he's probably the best in behind striker in European football every single one of his goals for Dortmund is this sort of gangly like beast of a footballer running in behind earthquake tremors because of his his sprint um strides but but with city he's almost playing like a deep line playmaker and it, and that is probably the biggest gripe of the season so far because it it doesn't make sense you've got a man who could quite comfortably at this point have been on 40 goals with a, a few different tweaks maybe even more um and and it just isn't the case so um we await we await what happens on sunday because i feel like there has to be a change because it's not working for City at the moment at all. He had zero shots against against Tottenham. Zero shots. This is a Tottenham team who've been shambolic in recent weeks. And um, you know, Hugo Luis is susceptible to to many an error. So to to sort of not not have a shot against him with your, your best strike in the world. Manuel Kanji had more shots than Haaland, and I think that sort of sums up where we're at at the moment. Erling Haaland being described as gangly might be my favourite thing to come out of this season <laughs> so far. Um, I, I, I actually think that's perfect. Um, and yeah, it it seems bizarre to me. I, I, it was mentioned on commentary, and I think a lot has been made of it, that how he is being brought back a lot for deeper to get involved mm. within the play, almost as Kane does at Spurs. And he does it so well. He links up the play, but... I just think for me, you have one of the best young players in world football and to play against his strengths almost seems naive. I mean, I'm I'm just an 18-year-old lad. I am not one to <laughs> try and tell Pep Guardiola how to play football at all. But it, it seemed as though there was quite an obvious mishap 
with Erling Haaland mm. and the way that he's been asked to play there, certainly. Now, there's two more players that I'd like to touch on before we touch on City as a whole. And the first one is Kevin De Bruyne, obviously left on the bench against Spurs. Again, arguably your most creative player this season, 11 assists. What went wrong there? Are you expecting him to start on Saturday? It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Today. Uh, I, I think he will. I think he will. Um, uh, my theory is that against Tottenham um, on Sunday, De Bruyne didn't play the game uh, a couple of weeks before and City obviously eventually came back to win that game, albeit going 2-0 down. And and I feel like there was maybe a little bit of copy and paste in that sense. You know, City beat Tottenham's midfield, which is at, at times very gritty, sort of tries to break up the play. Hoiberg, obviously, a master of the art of sort of uh, Fernandinho, another City player who who used to get away with ample tackles a game, um, and I thought I, I feel like it was a bit of a bit of the same. Obviously, he came on and I think he created three chances against Tottenham more than more than every City player possibly combined. I can't remember, but I think he'll, I think he'll come back into the team. But but there's still there's still an issue. There's still a massive issue, and I don't know if it's a World Cup problem, not in the sense of physical sort of drop off because a De Bruyne played next to no matches in that World Cup. Obviously, Belgium going out very early, but but B also sort of. I don't think this is where we're going to see the major injuries because of the World Cup. I think it will come later on in the season when the games start to pile up. By that, I mean the mental fatigue of sort of. I think Raphael Raphael Varane said it when he retired. You know, footballers aren't being um, um, uh, recently Varane retired from French football. Um, footballers aren't being sort of treated as humans anymore. They're just these sort of commodities almost go out there and play you must play 900 matches a season or whatever it is and, and I think that's probably where I'm at with De Bruyne he's, he's still you can still do it like that you can still switch it on like that and um hopefully for my sake not 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 so much for your sake it, it happens and it returns on Sunday well I mean I think I speak for every Villa fan when I say hopefully it doesn't return on Sunday <laughs> however it might do my fantasy team some good so you know pros yeah, and cons yeah, yeah. now <laughs> now there's one player who never escapes a mention on the Hulk cast. And we always try to avoid his name at all costs because it always seems to come up. However, this time, for good reason, we have an excuse to bring him up. And that is Jack Grealish. He struggled in his first year at City. Wow, yeah, boy. Boy, indeed. He he struggled in his first year at City, but it seems as though he's really implemented that winger spot in recent weeks, Mm. uh, certainly this season. How has he adapted his game in the last year? Um, I mean, Villa fans don't need me to say this, but he's ace, isn't he? He's uh, you just love him both on and off the pitch. I think he's he's fantastic. Um, so 
I'd actually argue maybe he hasn't adapted his game that much. Last season, it was a big talking point, as you can imagine, with the City fans, £100 million um, British record at the time signing. However, I, I, I think he, I think he had a good season. Could he have done better? Of course, he could. But I think when he played, he, he offered City something that that this is how I saw it when when he wasn't playing. City were much worse for it because the other options at that time you had someone like Raheem Sterling, you had Phil Foden, you had Gabriel Jesus, and the very sort of high intensity, very quick, very darty, very sort of um, you know electric type wingers, and and that didn't suit City. When Jack Grealish played, he stitched it together really well because, you know, I'd still like to see him in midfield for City, but you've essentially got a midfielder playing on the wing and, and that adds that little bit of composure, that little bit of control. And I think he, in, in expected assists, he was like double figures or something like that. You know, he, he was creating the most chances in the City team last season and, and that, that's that been a continuation of that this year. He's just getting the rewards for it. And I think it, it's easy to say that goals and assists don't matter but when you're sitting on at the end of a season, you're looking at a tally. I think he, I think he ended up with three goals and and two assists. Um, that's obviously looking poor this season. He's, I think he's he's on two goals or something like that, and and, and a good few assists as well. It do, it helps. It helps the narrative, and it it doesn't make a difference if he's going to be selected if he finishes with zero goals and zero assists, or he gets ten in in both columns. But from a sort of the narrative point of view, I think it does help when you see him getting on the score sheet, creating chances, getting assists, and stuff like that. So I think I I, I have I have no qualms that he'll he'll find relative success. I'm I'm not saying he'll go on to be City's best ever player, but I think he's I think he's he's crucial to how City play, be that in this system or or a different one. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. And it's interesting you mentioned him in midfield because he actually played that role in the championship for Villa in a midfield three. And, you know, he did really well there. I mean, he did ev- well everywhere he played for Villa. He could have played in goal and I'm sure the fans still would have <laughs> loved him. We've zoomed in to a lot of your key players. Now, I think it's time to take a step back and look at City as a whole, if that's OK with you. Mm-hmm. Now, as I mentioned, we're about halfway through, past that halfway point as of now. What are your expectations for the rest of the season? Um, avoid relegation. I think at, at this point, given the recent news, uh, no. I, I, to be honest, I, I'm I'm not sort of one to to have very reactionary sort of uh, the hottest of hottest takes. But I, I think Arsenal's name is on the trophy because purely for the sake, I, I just don't see City doing what they usually do in this situation and going on like a. 10, 15 game winning streak. I just don't think it's in him at the moment. The consistency isn't there. The problems off the pitch are seeping into the performances on it. And I just don't see City, I don't, I don't see City crawling it back. Um, maybe, maybe that'll come back to bite me. Hopefully it does. But I think for City, it, it's going to miss in the sense that it is very much a transitional season and City have to sort of get through this season. Whether or not qualification for Europe will come into jeopardy, maybe it will. It, it's quite tight. But I'd assume City probably finished second, if not third, you know, a, a decent buffer. You're then looking at the two other cup competitions that they remain in the FA Cup, um, Bristol City away in the fifth round. Now City have known to have sort of a shot cup defeat in them. So it could be a case of it, it's all hands on deck for the Champions League. And, and I mean, RB Leipzig are the opponents in the round of 16 for City. And that's a, that's a tough game. That's a really tough game. I, I don't think they've been beaten since... October, maybe early November or something like that. Uh, maybe even further back, actually, thinking of it. And, and the scoring goals for absolute fun that they're certainly in a title race in, in the Bundesliga. So it, it it's, again, you know, if Arsenal win the league, that's great. My only issue would be that 
sort of going on this title race for too long may sort of jeopardise City's chances in the other cup competitions with, you know, rest and rotation. Does City prioritise a home game against, I don't know, uh, uh, I don't know, Aston Villa, for example, you know, uh, uh, or a team going later on in the Champions League when you've got a game midweek? I don't know. I don't know. But um, a trophy, a trophy, as always, would be a lovely way to, to wrap up the campaign. I mean, yeah, tro- trophies are nice, aren't they? I'd I'd probably give an arm <laughs> and a leg at this point to see Villa to see Villa lift some silverware. Now, as I as I previously mentioned, a lot of our listeners are, are Villa fans uh, who probably haven't watched as much of Manchester City mm. as you have this season. So, if you could just give them an insight of what we can expect from our man from a Man City team this weekend specifically at home, it's going to be a lot of the ball for City. And I don't think that comes as a, as a surprise for, for anyone, whether or not you've watched City this season, whether you whether or not you've you've not. Um, I'm actually really looking forward to see how, how Lop- uh, not Lopetegui's at Wolves. Um, Unai Emery sets up against against City because he, he sort of took a few spankings when he was at Arsenal um, as manager. And, and, you know, sometimes you have managers who, who whose teams are better to suit other teams and, and I'm interested to see what that that uh that Leicester game, which was a fantastic football match by the way. I'm sure you uh you, you're not of the opinion yourself given the way it ended up, but I, I, I was I was interested. I thought Villa Villa created well, maybe not as many chances as they should have done. And and um we saw in the in the reverse game, even though it was under Gerard, you know, Leon Bailey tooks away one of Villa's two or three chances in the game and they certainly have the quality to do that. And Brentford have been to the Etihad this season and won in, in that sort of similar backs to the wall, get City on the counter-attack because there's not a lot of pace in City's team. And, and you know, you're looking at the way Villa set up, I, I feel like they potentially could be, could be, Villa fans get excited, there could be a, a, a chance for a little bit of an upset on Sunday afternoon. Oh, it's almost like you're trying to feed us some bait, isn't it? To reel us in. <laughs> now, now it's 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 quite easy as a football fan to get carried away. Um, Villa, having won their last three away games in a row, beating Spurs, Brighton, and Southampton in that time, Unai Emery's been very impressive since he's come in, and I think I speak for most Villa fans when I say that we've fallen in love with his characteristics. Mm the way he handles himself, especially. Obviously, Villa played this fixture last season at the Etihad, losing 3-2 under a different manager in completely different circumstances. What have been your thoughts on Emery at Villa as a neutral? Oh, yeah, that, that, that Villa game last season. Wow. Um, goosebumps bringing that one back up. But but um, Emery's, Emery's impressed me. Obviously, he had, that, he had that fantastic game against United, which was one of the first in charge. And, and it was only recently that Leicester blip that really sort of hurt hurt Aston Villa it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back from that I, f- I think that the the parts are there for Villa and the parts are there for for a really good manager like Emery to come in and, and properly galvanize the football club and, and you know you, you've seen the reaction I, I doubt that Leicester game as infuriating as it is is going to turn people off too much what I will say is I, I as always has been the case um Dean Smith Stephen Gerrard now Unai Emery Aston Villa's back line is worrying and obviously you've had the issues with, with injuries and, and players being rolled out for the season and, and that sort of un, unforeseen circumstances but if City which they haven't been doing can create I reckon that could cause a problem but but for Villa I, I think I think you're in, you're in good hands there's an opportunity potentially for a European push if you can get a really really good uh, run of results together I reckon that's probably just out of the, out of the equation this year 
going forward into next year. I think I don't think this sort of the way the Premier League has been, Liverpool dropping off, Chelsea dropping off. You've seen the likes of Fulham, Brighton are up there challenging for Europe, Brentford as well. I don't see that changing next season. I think next season with a decent summer behind them, Unai Emery could be getting Villa to a position where they do go on and challenge challenge for European football, which I think is would be a fair reflection of, of the sort of the work Villa have done since they've been back up. Obviously it's been a bit rocky at times and the, the Gerard era ended uh unceremoniously. Uh but I, I think that would sort of it it'd cap off a, a decent return to the Premier League for Villa should they be get, I don't know, a, a conference league place or something like that. How much bait have you got? Because I don't think I can take much more <laughs> European I know, football. I know, I know. Um, m- moving on, before I get too carried away. <laughs> if, so obviously you've watched a lot more City than any of our listeners will have done. I've mentioned that previously. Now, if you could take your City hat off for a minute and put yourself in the shoes of Unai Emery and you were in the dressing room from a Villa persuasion Knowing what you know about Man City, how would you go about beating them? I think it you you have to tell the players that City are beatable, and and previously that had been a false claim because City don't lose that many matches. However, this season there's already been a, a handful of defeats, and and you know potentially you could look at each individual one and say it was for a different cause and a different factor. And I actually think that's the issue with City this season. There's not one overarching main problem. There's not this sort of great for example, you know, uh, Chelsea and their midfield problem, Liverpool and their midfield problem as well. There, there isn't that for City. You can't pinpoint it on one issue. And that's what I think has been the downfall at times this season because City could do nine out of ten things perfectly and that still that extra one still hurts. And then that's the reason they go on and, and, and lose football matches or, or don't go on and win. And, and I think that's probably what, what we'll be looking at. The alternative is, as 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 Wolves saw in City's last home game, you can defend valiantly, you can have a few chances, you can create yourselves. Erling Haaland scores a hat trick; it, it's game over. And and I think it, it really depends what what uh, Manchester City, Aston Villa encounter on Sunday, because one day it can be fantastic, the next it can be abysmal, and and that sort of that's been a, an overarching theme throughout this season. Well, there you go. Unai Emery, if you're listening, as I'm sure you are a massive fan, <laughs> that that is how to get the better of them. Now, we're running out of time, so I'm going to quickly move on to my favourite two questions of the podcast. And the first one being score prediction. Now, I myself love not being asked this question because I'm absolutely hopeless. So instead, I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, when I'm hosting my own show, I usually do the same thing and, and refuse an answer. So uh, I'm, in, I'm in the opposite way now. Um Objectively looking at it, I, I think it'd be remiss of me to say, you know, Aston Villa are going to go to the Etihad as favourites. I think there's an opportunity they could win or at least get a point. I probably would say something in the region of 3-1. I think that's probably the par score and I think that's probably the most likely. I don't see it being a sort of fast-flowing, fluid performance of City. Maybe they bounce back from from the Tottenham defeat and and sort of try and make a statement and, and score four or five. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I think if City are going to win, it's going to be by one or two goals. And I would fancy Villa to score. So both teams to score, City win. There's a a shout for everyone. There you go. Bet responsibly. (laughs) (laughs) Now, last question is my favourite. And we always like to end the podcast on a non-football related question, which gets passed down from viewers. Um, So we had Leicester's The Athletic representative, Rob Tanner, on last time. And his question for you is, do you tuck your shirt into your underpants? 
<laughs> no, no. Who no? does? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I'm really glad you said that because the week before we had, do you put the milk in before the cereal? Which was ridiculous because I don't think I've ever <laughs> met anyone who does that. And if you do, I think you need locking up. Yeah, um, psychotic behaviour. <laughs> well, well, there you go. Now, uh, if you could give us a question to be passed down to the next episode. Yeah, so um, I spend a lot of my time. Shout out to my girlfriend. We have a lot of we have a lot of debate over this. When um, I, I don't even know if it's a saying in the Midlands, but when someone asks if you want a brew, meaning you know a hot drink, is that is that? Yeah, I'm getting a nod. I'm getting a nod. Um, would you classify coffee as a brew? Because I, I I I drink I drink more coffee than than tea. Um, and when when I ask for a brew. My girlfriend just assumes it's tea, so I think that's probably that's what I want. I want some clarification, and I want some uh, I want some backing up from 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 the coffee drinkers. Well, there we go. And I mean, we have Arsenal next, so it'll be an Arsenal fan answering your question. So, <laughs> oh, the, you know, Southern, the Southerners don't do tea right anyway, so they <laughs> they'll, they'll, they won't be able to answer it. <laughs> oh, oh, you had to get the diss in, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> And that is unfortunately all we have time for today. As always, a massive thank you to Amos for joining me. This episode would not be out here for you lovely people to listen to without the help of the people that come on. So again, a massive thank you to Amos for joining me. It was a real pleasure to have his time to talk all things Villa and Man City, especially with the recent news coming out. If you would like to listen to more of his voice, then you can follow him on Twitter at Amos Murphy underscore. He has some great work, so I'd really recommend checking it out. If you are new here, make sure to follow us on Twitter at 7500 to halt and me personally at Sebastian Bacon 8. And we hope that you will stick around for the future. Thanks for listening. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,